I'm Massimo Bottura. This is Amanda Cohen. This is David Kinch. This is Mike Anthony. This is Huni Kim. This is Amanda Freitag. This is Richard Blaze. This is Paul Kahn. This is Curtis Stein. This is Stephen Harris. This is Missy Robbins. And you're listening to Andrew Talks to Chefs. Crisis management, I think, is such a key thing. Lindsay and I have been in many situations where, you know, an event is going down or catering events, you know, hitting a wall or the restaurants in the weeds. And, and you know, listen, after years of, of knowing how to get yourself out of the weeds and, and just knowing that if you remain calm, like it, you'll the event will go off and it'll be fine. And, and, you know, I can't tell you how many times in the last three months I've gotten a call or Lindsay's gotten a call and, some crisis breaks out over here or in, in you know, in, in Ohio or in Nashville and, and you just deal with it. We kept that in mind when we hired new staff. You know, it was just the two of us. Now there are four of us. The other two women on our team, one of them owns a bar and the other one's a chef. So <laughs> again, we stuck with it. None of us are from the nonprofit world because also in turn with that, we do really approach philanthropy like a restaurant. Those are the voices of Edward Lee and Lindsay Offsasek of the Lee Initiative. Our guest today on Andrew Talks to Chefs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Andrew Talks to Chefs. I am your host, Andrew Friedman. Our guests today are Edward Lee and Lindsay Offsasek, who have been doing crucial work for the restaurant industry and its extended family all across the United States with the Lee Initiative. More on them in a moment. I hope you all are safe and healthy this week, although I know by the numbers that many of you are not. In most of the country, your restaurants are not open for indoor dining, in some places, not even for outdoor dining. Takeaway and delivery business isn't getting it done. You're watching an increasing number of your colleagues ring the bell and announce that their restaurants will never reopen. In conversations with good friends, I myself am at a loss for words, and I am a professional writer. I don't know what to say to you listeners who are in the industry, except that I feel for all of you. It is a terribly unfair situation, and in too many places around the United States, it's either worse or just not getting better. The one thing I will say is that I encourage everybody out there to observe at least the bare minimum safety precautions. Please wear a mask, practice hand hygiene, keep your distance. And I know this is something nobody in the restaurant industry wants to hear or say out loud, but please avoid congregating in confined spaces for prolonged periods of time until it is safe to do so in your area. We, of course, have many listeners around the world, and many of you are living in countries that have gotten a leg up on the coronavirus and are inching towards some kind of normalcy. I hope that more and more municipalities and states in my country will learn from you and from my state of New York that this virus is real and real dangerous. I honestly can't believe we still need to even debate that, but also that it can be conquered. It is doable. As bad as things are here in the United States right now, there are silver linings. One of them is the Lee Initiative. The Lee Initiative was created by Chef Edward Lee and Lindsay Offsasek. Some of you might know Edward from his book, Buttermilk Graffiti, or his restaurant 610 Magnolia and Whiskey Dry in Louisville, Kentucky, or Succotash in Washington, D.C. and Maryland. Maybe you saw him on the series 
mind of a chef. Edward and Lindsay, who used to manage 610 Magnolia and is still the wine director there, co-founded the Lee Initiative in 2015. Lindsay is the managing director. Edward is the director of programming, and both are mentors with the organization. I really wanted to get Edward and Lindsay on the show because I think they are as good an example as you will ever find of what a few dedicated people can accomplish if they set their mind to it. In particular, and we get into this in the interview, they are brilliant at applying the skills and resources of restaurant people to making a difference for the restaurant industry and the people who populate it. Lee Initiative stands for Let's Empower Employees, the mission of the organization, which all employees of Edwards Restaurants support in some way are, and I'm cribbing from their website here, Quote, wherever we identify a need for more diversity and more equality in the restaurant industry, we will find creative and forward-thinking solutions. We will create small but impactful programs that make a real difference in the lives of the next generation of restaurant industry professionals. We will help our community and inspire others to get involved, get active, and get back. And that last point is, again, why I wanted them on this show. You might have seen the Lee Initiative in the news or on social media during the pandemic and lockdown. They got a lot of attention, deservedly, for creating a network of restaurant worker relief program locations around the country to offer meals and sundries to unemployed and furloughed hospitality workers in more than a dozen cities. That is still going on. They are currently focused on, or I should say the the newest program that they are focused on, is the Restaurant Reboot Relief Program, which we discuss in detail in the interview, as well as ways that you all can get involved and help. Their website is leeinitiative.org, which is linked to on the episode page for this interview on andrewtalkstochefs.com. I don't think I need to say much more about this. I'm just in awe of what these two and their very small team are doing and accomplishing for the industry. As much as anybody I know, they walk the walk and make a huge difference and have stepped up even more in the last few months when the world needed them. In fact, our original interview was scheduled on election day a few weeks ago, and it had to be pushed to a day later because they partnered with World Central Kitchen to feed people waiting in line to vote in Kentucky as if they weren't already doing enough. So with that, let's get to my conversation with Edward Lee and Lindsay Offsasek. Before we talk about the active programs, can I just ask each of you, and I guess maybe, Lindsay, I'll start with you, because I did see your bio on the initiative site. If this is accurate, in normal times, you were still the director of the wine program at 610 Magnolia, and you were the former manager of the restaurant. Is that accurate? Yes. I'm still the wine director. How did you start into the kind of work that the initiative does? I asked the question because I think a lot of people in the last well, now we could say several months, have, you know, I think sometimes to their own surprise, been kind of turned on or activated into activism, volunteerism. I I think they found a a gear and and a skill that a lot of people didn't know they had. How did it start for you? I mean, it honestly, it started after a shift in the restaurant. And, you know, Chef Lee and I were sitting in the office and the Me Too movement was hitting our industry um, really hard. And we just started to have a conversation about how, you know, I've been in the industry for 20 years. I'm raising my family in this industry. I have a four and six year old. You know, the stories that were breaking in the media 
those were not my stories. I had, you know, yes, they're terrible and they were happening, but I also feel like for every bad chef, they're an army of good ones. Um, I'm not going to say that I never struggled, but I had a lot of great mentors. I had worked for restaurant companies that were run by women, um, supportive men, and I had always been able to make it work. And so we sat down and threw around a million ideas for a way that we could help our industry because, you know, the light that was being shown was offensive and, you know, it hurt. And so we just sat around trying to think of ways that we could help young women who were, you know, just getting into our industry. Um, there's always been a labor shortage in this industry. And I think, you know, having a bad experience in the beginning, why would you ever come back? Um, so we landed on starting a mentorship program for women chefs. And, you know, we had this idea in November and by March we were announcing our first class of mentees. And that program is a couple of years in now and, and on the site, uh, the Lee Initiative site, which I'll link to from this interview, you can see, well, first of all, the, 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 uh, you can see pictures of the, I guess we say mentees, but the mentors is a real um, murderer's row of, uh, you know, some pretty, you know, it's a very impressive lineup of, of chefs from around the country. Yeah. Well, that's when we reached out to women, um, you know, to, to pair as mentors, no one ever said no. They were all really excited about the program and, you know, excited to help young women come up in this industry. And so we, you know, send each of our mentees to work alongside with them for at least a week. And they really forge these friendships and support networks with women who have risen the ranks. I mean, all of those women started as line cooks. And now they, you know, own James Beard award-winning restaurants, many of them several. They're cookbook authors. Um, and it was incredible to see how much people really do want to help. This has been my experience in the last couple of months watching things and participating in what I've done. I think if you give people a way to do it, people who maybe aren't naturally organizers per se... We'll, we'll kind of jump up, you know, jump into that stream and, and, and do what they can or what they're, you know, either equipped for or feel they're equipped for. It's really been something to see. Edward, your involvement in, in this kind of work, it sounds like it was pretty intertwined with Lindsay's. Yeah, no, I mean, we've been, you know, uh, up until a couple of weeks ago, we were, our nonprofit had two people. <laughs> On its, it was me and Lindsay. Um, and, you know, we had a few, you know, we had a few, uh, we have a great marketing person and we have, you know, but basically it was just me and her running this thing and it was great. And, and, um, you know, we got, we got caught in this, in this whirlwind, which was COVID and, and doing the relief. And I talked to you early on, Andrew, um, when I was right in the middle of, of, you know, we were in the middle of opening 19 relief kitchens around the country. Um, and, and now we have like four simultaneous programs going on, uh, um, with the lean initiative. So we it just, you know, we've raised a ton of money in the last three months. We've, we've served over 300,000 meals. Um, we've helped plenty of, of people and, and, and we're continuing to escalate and, and figure out where does lean initiative fit into this whole, you know, discussion. Um, but now we're, we're a part of it and, and we know we don't want to go backwards. And this, this work that we're doing is, is so important. And, you know, I think, I think it's important too, when, when we think about it, like, you know, Lindsay, um, is, is, and was a great restaurant manager. Um, you know, I'm a mm. chef that runs multiple restaurants and, 
you know, when when this started, I you know, like I was I was unemployed, right? I, as of March 16th, 2020, I didn't have a job as a, as a chef anymore. And um, I think what's unique to the Lee Initiative um, back then and 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 still is today is that we really look at this um, the way we look at restaurants. Um, none of us are from the nonprofit world, and so we 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 just know how to you know, pivot, be flexible, you know, we're, we're not afraid of working long hours. Um, we're not afraid of sort of, you know, daunting, you know, missions. Um, and I think that that bring that I, just gives us a, a slightly different perspective on things. And so when we, you know, whether it's a David McAtee community kitchen or, or, or the reboot program, like, um, I don't know. We just dive headlong into it, and and we just put so much energy into it that we have an outpouring of support, and we get results. And I think that that it's it's really, especially here in Louisville, um, it, it's getting a it's gaining a lot of support from the community, and like you said, people who want to help. Um, know what we're about now um they know that when we do these programs that we do it with integrity um and we're doing it with with you know all of our heart and soul and so uh it's been fascinating work you know it's it's i'm the first one to say i knew nothing about the nonprofit world at large you know six months ago um and the last three months have have i mean we're 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 learning literally every day as we're as we're doing things um and and there's sort of a naivete about it there's sort of like this this crazy idealism and this innocence about it that we're just like yeah i, I guess we can do it let's just do another program and, and we do it um and and people come out in waves to support us and so um that part about it has just been it's been incredible to watch it grow even even as we're in the middle of it, um, sometimes kind of take a step back and just look at it and see, you know, what all's going on. And um, it's, it's kind of insane. Well, I'm not just flattering you guys. And Edward, I mean, you, Lindsay and I just met on this call, but you and I met, I guess, in Los Angeles about two years ago when we were both hawking our books in a much different time. Yeah. But it's really been something to watch what you guys are doing as I've been seeing it through other interviews, through news stories. You know, I'm not just blowing smoke. I've just been full of admiration. You know, I, I've been a little bit hounding uh, you, Edward, and your PR people for some time. I knew it was precious. Um, you know, normally I just back off, but I just, I really wanted to have you guys on the show and I really wanted to, <laughs> you know, have our listeners, most of whom are cooks, you know, hear uh, what, you know, two restaurant people have been able to grow. Because I do think, uh, you know, these this can, what I'm about to say can start yeah. to sound very corny and cliched very quickly. But you, like you said, you guys, you know, until a few months ago, you were a two-person operation. Uh, you saw a place that you were uh, qualified and, and able to serve at a time when you were able to give time to it, although I know that time snowballed quickly. And, uh, you know, as you said, and this is the thing that I think can get very cliche, but I think it is so true. I do think restaurant people are very suited to the kind of programs you all have taken on through both from, you know, the the notion of, uh, well, first of all, the ability and the skill to cook, um, the, the, the uh, instinct to serve, um, but then also, you know, uh, 
kind of trying to see ahead of, look ahead. You know, I think about pre-shift meetings and I think about anticipating what can go wrong with a restaurant or what could go wrong in a service um, and kind of gaming that out before you start doing things. And then the sort of daily calibration, you know, of, of however people do it in their restaurants of kind of evaluating a shift and getting better the next day. Um, it seems to me all those skills are very applicable to these programs you guys have been putting together. Well, and also, I mean, crisis management is, is I think, is right. such a key thing. Like we've 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 all been in Lindsay and I have been in many situations where, mm-hmm. you know, an event's going down or a catering events, you know, hitting a wall or the restaurants in the weeds. And, and you know, listen, after years of, of knowing how to get yourself out of the weeds. And and just knowing that if you remain calm, like it, you'll the event will go off and it'll be fine. And and you know I can't tell you how many times in the last three months I've gotten a call or Lindsay's gotten a call and some crisis breaks out over here or in, in you know in in Ohio or in Nashville and and you just deal with it. You know and 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 there's a certain you know like you know Lindsay just does not get frustrated or does not like you know fly off the handle and and. I've been in enough situations where we just, you know, when there's a fire, you just calmly put it out. I can say too, we kept that in mind when we hired new staff. Um, You know, it was just the two of us. Now there are four of us. Um, The other two women on our team, one of them owns a bar and the other one's a chef. So (laughs) again, we stuck with it. None of us are from the nonprofit world because also in turn with that, um, you know, we do really approach philanthropy like a restaurant. you know, when you donate to the Lee Initiative, five less than 5% of what you donate will ever go to anything but the program. We operate on razor thin margins. We don't have offices. You know, we all work out of the restaurant or bar that we've worked out forever. And, you know, we just make it work. Nobody's ever asked me that question. It's a good one. I feel really seen. <laughs> it's great talking to you because you don't ask me what my favorite kitchen tool is or what my favorite <laughs> ingredient is to work with. You're listening to Andrew Talks to Chefs, an independent podcast. We'll be right back. This was very enjoyable. Thank yeah, you. that was a pleasure. We'll see you again. God, I hope so. I'll get you right back to the rest of my interview with Edward Lee and Lindsay off Sasek in just a moment. Just a couple of quick things first. If you listened to our special nightly reports from March through May, then you know that we introduced a recurring show during that time called Shelter on Plus Theater. It ran on Fridays in the spring. And in that feature, Allison and Matt Robocelli and I talked about movies and television shows with a focus on chefs and or food. Well, this week, we are going to be back with a Shelter on Place feature. We are recording a full-length extravaganza where we will go to town discussing one of my favorite movies, Pulp Fiction, which a listener, whom I'll credit on the actual episode, pointed out to me has a multitude of food and beverage cues. I don't know quite why or how I never noticed that myself, but there you go. If you want to refresh your memory or if you have somehow never seen Pulp Fiction— Give it a watch. We are recording Thursday night. I hope to drop that show on Friday, but definitely no later than Monday. And it will, as always, be filled with spoilers. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. Also, just a reminder, Andrew Talks to Chefs is a fully independent podcast. We have no relationship to our former host network, which aired our first 97 episodes. Those shows still bear the station ID and advertisements from when they first aired. 
but the only place for up-to-date information and current episode listings, as well as our blog, information about me and my books, and links for contacting us is andrewtalkstochefs.com. Please visit and bookmark that site. Also, since we are independent, we do ask for your support, however you are able to give it at this crazy time. You can simply rate or review us on Apple Podcasts, or if you can afford it, please consider supporting us directly via Patreon. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Andrew Talks to Chefs. If you come in at the $10 per month level or more, you receive extras like bonus patron-only monthly episodes and blog posts. We want to thank a few new patrons. I have been doing first and last names up to now, but I'm not sure people like that, so I'm going to just do first names going forward. Jose, Philip, and Agatha, thank you from the bottom of my heart for becoming patrons and for your nice notes. And I need to break my own new rule, having just made it, and say that I got a big kick out of this one. Whenever a new patron signs on, I get an email. And the other day, I got a notice that pastry legend, the great Claudia Fleming, has become a patron of the show, which I am honored and humbled by. Thank you, Claudia, who I'm sure is blushing in her home kitchen as she hears me say that. Okay, with that, let's get back to my conversation with Edward Lee and Lindsay Offsasek. I hope you enjoy the rest of it. So can we just talk about in detail, I guess the most recent program you have is called the Restaurant Reboot Relief Program. Uh, Lindsay, maybe you could start with this, um, and Edward, you can fill in. But can you describe that program? I guess in short, we would say, um, you know, I'm, I'm cribbing from your own language here that it's been set up to reset the supply chain as restaurants are starting to come back and reopen post pandemic. But what exactly does that mean? And how do you all go about it? With all of our relief kitchens, you know, as they started to reopen, we spoke with them about what they needed uh, to reopen and what was important to them. You know, something that sets independent restaurants apart is, um, you know, the product that they use and the relationships that they have with people growing food in their own communities. You know, there was a huge myth that there was a, you know, a food shortage during COVID. Yes, there was a commodity food shortage during COVID, but farmers were throwing away milk and, you know, not planting their fields. Uh, We had a ton of farmers that would donate food to us because their other option was to throw it away. So, you know, we contacted the restaurants, had them pick three to three to four other restaurants in their community that they thought could benefit from this program. And then we vetted out, you know, three to four farms in their region. And so what we're doing is we do a cash infusion into the farm that in turn creates a credit for these restaurants where when they're reopening, they can purchase the product that they want to use and that they're proud of. Um, And you know, get back open and help with food costs. And also this helps the farmer know that they have a place for their food over the next few months. Was this come up within a brainstorm, multiple conversations? Was this an idea that someone had kind of had sitting in their brain waiting for the right moment or the right occasion? How did, I mean, this seems so natural to me, but also I don't, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like the most obvious thing that somebody would think of. Well, I mean, again, Edward's a chef. So this was, this one was his baby. <laughs> So Edward, what was the what was the sort of uh, germ of this idea? I think there was some whiskey involved at some point. <laughs> I've been drinking a lot over the past three months. I think there was there was a little bit of whiskey involved. We, we we've been drinking a lot of whiskey. Um, uh, no, there was the uh, you know we 
I visited a few farms, um, you know, and, and, and again, we've been hearing stories uh, from our farmers um, who've been telling us stories about, um, you know, what, what's happening to them. And I visited a few farms during the COVID thing, and I saw firsthand what was going on. And what I know is, is you know, as, as much as restaurants are hurting, farms are hurting even more. Uh, the ones that were, were, you know, there are a lot of small farms who depend like 85 to 90 percent of their business was direct, uh, you know, sales to restaurants. Um, and those farms are, are, are in big danger. The, the difference is, I think, chefs and restaurants have huge loudspeakers. You know, there are celebrity chefs out there that are talking about our situation. You know, customers all know about restaurants. They love us. Um, and, and there's been a huge outpouring of support, you know, farmers are always in the background, you know, they're, they tend to be very humble. They're, they're usually not in the spotlight. Um, and so they just aren't getting the media attention that they deserve. Um, and they're, they're always the lowest person on the totem pole. Um, they're the ones that get, that get screwed over because, you know, the restaurants shut down and they go, well, I, I can't buy your product. Um, but the farms can't you know, tell a, a sheep not to grow or Frank farm can't, you know, tell, tell a, a field of radish to stop growing for three months. Um, so they're, they're dealing with harvest. And for what most people don't understand is the summer months for the farm industry is, is our Christmas. Like this is their bounty. This is their harvest time. This is where they make the most money. This is also when they plant and, and grow the most. And, and for this to hit right at the beginning of spring is devastating. Um, and so we just, I, 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 I knew that they needed help and, and, you know, it's like, they don't, to, to be honest, like we, we don't need to feed farmers. They don't need food. They need money. Um, and, and that's when we, you know, cause normally our, all of our, um, programs revolve around feeding people. Um, and we realized like farms just need money right now. They need money and, and, but they're proud, proud people. Like they, they don't want, they don't want free money. They just want to do business. They have stuff to sell and they need cash. So, you know, I asked Linda, I said, do we have enough money? Can we raise money to give to farms and then just let them do with it? Like they're honest, they'll, they'll be good. And we, and we have the whole program now that we built out of it, but, um, they just need cash to get through the summer. And, and, you know, I'll be honest with you, like Lindsay knows we, we, we started this program two weeks ago, you know, almost every farmer that we've written a check to has cried, you know, I mean, I, I have had a farmer tell me that I just saved his business um, because he wasn't going to get through the summer. Um, and, and, you know, if we don't save these farms, what, what's left of the restaurant industry? If I can't, if I can't buy, you know, my, my organic vegetables or, or my, you know, awesome lamb, um, what are we buying from? We're buying the same commodity meat that you find at chain restaurants. That doesn't give us any sense of pride in what we do. Um, so, so these farms are, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're very under the radar, you know, it, it's hard to know who they are and where they are, but they're everywhere. Um, they're just, they're, they're, you know, they're not rock stars. And so we're, we're trying to, you know, get them money, save their farms, you know, save their operations. But at the same time, you know, we're doing these short videos and just trying to put a name to a face um, and just get them out there. And, and, and you know, the, the general public, you know, thinks like, hey, there's a shutdown and I can just, you know, shut off the electricity and, and, and cut off my lights at the restaurant and come back in three months. 
Um, and the general public is, is, is weird. like, they think you can just do the same thing with a farm. Um, and you can't, like, it, they still have bills to pay. So all this time, the farms have not been getting income, but they also, it costs a lot to raise cattle, to raise pigs. And, and they, so they're putting money into it and getting nothing out of it. Um, and, and it's like critical mass right now in, in, in the middle of the summer. I have to say, it's, it's a rare I'm having this rare moment right now where I'm actually a little emotional hearing you just talk about farms. I mean, I've been lucky to visit a ton of farms over the years. And, you know, when you say that, you know, farmers cried when you gave them a check, you know, told you you saved their business. I can totally get that. And also, like you said, they're not rock stars. They don't seek the limelight. Um, uh, they do tend to be, I mean, this sounds like really overgeneralizing, but it's sort of universally true of the people I've spent time with, you know, a very humble community, generally speaking. Um, and like you said, not looking for a handout, but, you know, wanting to work and just wanting to keep their business going. Yeah. I mean, and just to echo that. So some of the farms that we've worked with, I know I had the opportunity to speak with a farmer in Tennessee that we've paired with three chefs. Um, he had been working with those chefs for the last 10 years. Um, for the most part. And, you know, whenever I called him, he was so grateful, but he also, you know, what I heard from him was I have already reached out to these chefs and told them that I will give them food to help them get reopened. I've been working, you know, I've watched them rise from line cook to chef to now owning their own restaurants. And he was never going to give up on those restaurants, even though he was struggling. Um, and that was just this inc crazy overwhelming thing for me that, you know, he here he was about to lose his farm and his entire livelihood, but he was still willing to donate and support to get these restaurants open. Um, and that's not a decision I want to, people to have to make. Right, right. It's beautiful, but it's it's grim. Yeah. No, I hear you. So can we just, I, we only have a few minutes left. There's just a couple of quick things I'd like to touch on. One is I was really struck um you know, I've been struck the whole time with the Restaurant Worker Relief Program, these these uh, restaurants that you've partnered with around the country uh, to provide food, to provide meals. Um, uh, and then I noticed in the description on your site of the Reboot Relief Program we were just talking about that the restaurants that hosted have hosted relief centers will be receiving food and helping select which other restaurants. So what's, what's stunning to me is in the very short time, in addition to building those or getting those um, relief uh, locations set up, you you now have it seems like a network of partners around the country. Yeah, I mean, it's all of our, we could have never done this without our partners. Um, we moved so quickly that we had to work with restaurants that you know we had some connection to because there was no time to vet them, and so every partner that we have chosen has gone above and beyond. When we started the relief program, we had we had imagined that these would be open for two to three weeks. That's all we had funding for. Each of these chefs have taken it upon themselves to reach out to vendors, to reach out to corporations that they work with, to crowdfund and source funds, you know, through their community themselves. And so really, I mean, we've become this giant network of people that just want to support their community. You know, we we don't know Seattle like Eduardo does. Um, so why wouldn't we lean to him to see how we can help there? Yeah, totally. So I will prominently link and mention in my intro and, and outro to the show how people can donate. But for, you know, the the 
cook population, for the restaurant population out there, what could you guys use uh, at this point, just generally speaking, if there's a cook out there, a sous chef, a chef who wants to get involved with the Lee Initiative, what, what, what would be a way to do that? And what, do you, what would be a, something you're looking for still from the community? Money. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, you know, listen, the, uh, I, I think nonprofits, you know, like ours always need funding um, um, to keep the programming going. But, but every place that we have something going on, um, we need volunteers. Um, you know, for the reboot program, uh, like if someone has a Jeep and they want to go to the farm and pick up the, the, the produce and deliver it to the restaurants, like that's a huge help. Um, th- there's always a need for that. Um, there's always a need to, to have um, events that, that can fundraise. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's always things that, that can be done. And, you know, we're always looking for ideas, too. Um, and, and I think that's the, the, the brilliant um, part about what, what all nonprofits can do. Like, it doesn't cost money to, to come up with a cool idea um, to do something. I mean, you know, we, we, the, the whole idea of coming out to, to feed people at, at the voting polls yesterday, um, it, it, it didn't cost a lot of money to do that. And, and yet we fed thousands of people um, and, and created this whole network of, of community um, through that. So I think we're, we're always looking for people who have fresh ideas and, and things that can help out their communities. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's been amazing to me how people have creatively fundraised for the Lee Initiative. Um, there's a cookbook right now. I think it's called On the Line, um, which is a cookbook that's digital. It comes out in the middle of June. Um, and it's all line cooks that put together a cookbook. Um, you know, there are no famous chefs in this book. It's all people who actually work on a line. And the Lee Initiative is a benefactor of that cookbook. Um, you know, there are people that have been selling artwork. It's It's been overwhelming how much people want to help and really fun to watch how creatively they're doing it. That's great. Well, that's great. Okay, well, I will make it easy for people to, you know, listeners to find your site, to find the various links and whatnot. Um, and I know you both have things to get onto, so I'm going to wrap it there. Thank you both very much. I know your time is scarce. I know you're tired. <laughs> I know you're talked out. So I really appreciate you doing the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. And that's our show for today. Again, my great thanks to Edward and Lindsay for making the time and really for all you do for the industry. Please, again, visit leeinitiative.org to learn more and offer your support. Again, that link is available on the episode page for today's conversation at andrewtalkstochefs.com. Please do subscribe to Andrew Talks to Chefs via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It is free. And if you hit that subscribe button, new episodes will automatically appear in your podcast queue as they launch. And please do follow us on Instagram. The handle there is at Chef Podcast. Thank you for listening. See you back here soon with our Shelter on Plus tribute to the food and drink of Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Until then, please take very good care of yourselves. <laughs>